0: Welcome. This is the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen, your hostess. <laughs> I'd love for you to take a minute when you're done listening to this podcast episode, this one, or however many you want to listen to right now, um, to go out and check out my website. It's womaninspired.com, and it's been my website for over 23 years. You can also go to Karen McCracken.com. Same thing goes to the same place. It's yours to peruse through to kind of check out it includes my podcasts um, links to those info on my books places that you can order them events when I update it sorry if it's not super up to date but I'm working on that and it also includes social media links and how to contact me all right so if you would check it out womaninspired.com I would greatly appreciate it so today we're talking about being offended And so let me kick off things with a few pod quotes for you. Ready? The first one comes from Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Be not hasty in your spirit to be offended, for resentment abides in the bosom of fools. I just love that. All right. And here is a great quote from John MacArthur. Don't ever water down the gospel. If the truth offends, then let it offend. Some people have been living their whole lives in offense to God. Let them be offended for a little while. That just makes me want to laugh. I just love it. It's great. All right. So my question to you is, does the word of God offend you? Do you avoid it? Because maybe there are parts of it you think you don't agree with, or maybe you don't understand. Do you actually know what it means? I mean, not not the whole Bible, <laughs> because obviously none of us, at least... None of us that I know of in the world knows the Bible inside and out, front to back, exactly how God intended it without a single doubt of what the meaning is in every part of it. I mean, if there is someone, please tell them about me. I'd like to meet them because as far as I know, most people have to study the Bible their entire lives because we have these human brains that are are fallible and imperfect, but they have to study it their entire lives, including pastors and theologians like Billy Graham and Charles Spurgeon, Perry Stone, C.S. Lewis all studied it their entire lives or at least from the time they accepted the Lord on. I mean the list goes on and on which is a great thing actually because when we have to study it to understand it more and more or to get the fullness of it then it's more frequently on our minds and in our faces. No matter how many times we set it down to walk away from it whether it's on a nightstand, a shelf, a pew or even if it's on your a Bible app in your phone, it's still there for us. The word never goes away. It's never changing, even though we change. And, and, you know, at times you think about it, as we read our Bible, we pick parts of it and see parts of it in a different way than we ever have before. Like we might be drawn to one thing over another, one Bible verse over another, or one chapter over another, depending on where we are in our lives. I mean, as we mature, not all of us are mature, but as we mature, certain pieces of it mean more to us than it used to. And probably in a different way than ever before. Not that the meaning of the word has ever changed or just suddenly become different like culture wants it to be, but that the revelation that we get from it and the way we can apply it to our lives is different because we're in a different place on our journey. Maybe we're more intelligent. Maybe we're more understanding. Maybe we need it more and in a greater way than we ever have before. So sometimes we see the Bible differently and we realize some of the deeper meanings to it or the nuances in it because we're more mature. Or sometimes we see the Bible differently after having gone through difficult times in our lives. And sometimes because of that, we become so thirsty and hungry and in a way that we haven't been before, or we become thirsty and hungry for God. And that leads us to reading the word more. I mean, really doing so makes a difference. It does in my life. So having it in our faces all the time is very important. And I'm wondering though, do you ever find yourself rejecting the Bible because you don't agree with some of it? You know, maybe some of the parts that dumbfound you or make you think God isn't fair or kind or loving enough. Sometimes what it says in the Bible is difficult to swallow. It's difficult to understand. And sometimes it's it, it flies in the face of what the world is telling us is right from wrong. And I think it's a very human thing at times to just want to water it down. You know, give me the light version, the low calorie part of the spiritual drink <laughs> or the Reader's Digest condensed version of the Gospels because it's easier to comprehend I won't get in too deep and it's far easier to abide and be obedient to part of it rather than the full thing from Genesis to Revelation. (laughs) I've been there before opening up the Bible and thinking, wow, this is amazing. This is great. Then I run across a verse or a chapter and I think, what are you serious? I mean, especially when I was a new Christian, I thought I was going to open the Bible and read something like a a beautiful fairy tale. You know, a cozy bedtime story with a sweet beginning of creation followed up by the real life story of a hero who died for us and he was resurrected and he will bring us all to heaven with him one day. An amazing real life story that's beautiful and animated in my head like what we see in the children's Bible or in animated features at Christmas time. Well, reality is, (laughs) well, well, I was going to say that the reality is the word of God is not for the weak of heart, but that's not true. The word of God is for the weak at heart. And really the word of God is for everyone, literally everyone, but some will reject it and others won't, but almost everyone will read it. And at some point realize it's not a fairy tale. It's no small thing. It's no story of superheroes, unicorns, and fuzzy bears skipping through the forest either. It just isn't. It's very real. The word of God is a full meal to digest. It's like a a 10 course sit down, get ready, because you won't be backing away from the table anytime soon. Full on mega calorie kind of a meal, you know, bring the bib and some antacids, (laughs) It's the kind that you have to choose to partake in though. It's not low calorie and it can't be condensed to a thin reader's digest format for your reading pleasure because it just doesn't do it justice. And when someone does water it down or leave parts of it out to make it smaller and easier to digest, it changes the meaning and leaves the core truth out. Part of the problem in today's church denominations is that some church leaderships, pastors, elders, even some seminaries and Bible colleges right now are watering down the word of God. They're teaching the business of church and to do whatever it takes to get butts in the pews philosophy of running a church rather than just sharing the word of God, worshiping the Lord and loving Jesus. So when in reality, the only thing that will bring people in And sustain and grow a church and reach people is by sharing the truth that's in the word and sharing the amazing love that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. I saw it for myself when I was a youth pastor. I went into my position as a youth pastor, green, inexperienced for the most part. I mean, I had experience as a children's pastor and in volunteering with the youth, but not as a full time youth pastor. Well, where God led me was to a church. That once had a thriving youth group, but it had fizzled out and they had four youth left. For about two years, they'd only had four youth coming. That was it. In the middle of a huge neighborhood that was teeming with preteens and teens, this church of 350 regular attenders had four youth showing up to Sunday school and youth group. That's it. Well, the only thing I knew to do was just teach just be there and teach, give them the word of God, show them who Jesus was and try to do it in a, in a way and on a level that they could understand and, and speak it in a language that they would get. So that's what I did. Nothing special, nothing over the top, nothing amazing. I was straight with them though, honest, sometimes in their face about it. I was also quirky and silly too. (laughs) And, and I was available. I just made myself available. And what happened was, Amazing. It was actually beautiful. The youth group grew in six months to 42 in attendance on Wednesday nights for youth group and averaged about 19 in Sunday school every morning. Every Sunday morning. So, for the first time in years, they had a youth group that was coming and they were all sitting together in the pews on Sunday mornings after Sunday school. They didn't leave. A lot of times, you know, you go to a church, the youth leave after Sunday school or they have their own special service. Now, these youth were showing up in the sanctuary for church after Sunday school. Sometimes I felt bad that we didn't have video games and big lock-ins and camping trips and these major expensive outings. But we did have fun events and we had crazy games and I made up fun things to do that were simple and and cost-effective. And and we had a, a youth missions week. We didn't go anywhere, especially that first year I was there. We had youth missions that And what we did was we worked around our town for people. And we had a fun day at the end of that work week as well. But most of our time when I was at the church was spent with us studying the Bible, sharing the gospel, addressing everyday life and everyday situations with the Bible as our compass. Most of the people who volunteered with the youth loved on them, talked to them. And we didn't put up with crap either, by the way. And the group grew to the point that Sunday school started drawing more people than just youth. I had adults wanting to come every Sunday as well because they were witnessing a group of students who had become hungry for that full meal, that full on high calorie, 10 course spiritual meal that they knew was not going to be reduced or watered down. I remember one of the youth deciding he was going to go to church with a friend of his from school instead which I was like, great, just go, just go to church. So he did. And a few weeks later he came back to youth group and to Sunday school and he said, you know, it was fun there. One Wednesday night we had the whole church to ourselves and they got this laser tag set up and they shut off all of the lights and we had the entire church to ourselves and we played laser tag. It was a blast. And then some of us even hid in the baptistry, which he thought was really cool. <laughs> and another Wednesday night, the youth pastor took them all to a basketball game and out for pizza. And on Sunday mornings, they played video games after Sunday school on their big screen TV in the youth group. And, and he said to, this to me, though. I left there thinking, what did that have to do with the Bible? He said they prayed together but that was it. And then he said this to me, Pastor Karen, I can do all those things every day at home or at school. I want to come where someone's talking to me like I'm smart enough to understand what's going on. And it isn't going to try to bribe me to come to church all the time. I'm not dumb. I want someone who listens to me and is straight with me. Like I think Jesus would be straight with me. And that is what sharing the word of God with other people will do people you see every day at work, in your family, at home, because they can get the day in and day out stuff of life and the fun stuff anywhere and everywhere. But what they need from you and from me and from the church is the truth of who God is and what his word says. None of us needs it watered down. God made us intelligent enough to understand it on an actual intellectual level For for most of us, and for all of us, he made it where we could understand it on a spiritual level. Sadly, like the other church the youth member visited for a few weeks, some churches, though, just want to be there for socialization and not for sharing the truth. Now, don't get me wrong, fellowship, having fun together, creating bonds and relationships is extremely important. But if we don't have the foundation of Jesus, the rock, to stand on, then why build a house? and invite people over, because it will eventually just fall. As soon as a storm or an earthquake comes, difficult times hit, then the congregation is attacked. The church will divide. It will split, and eventually people will walk away. It will fall. It will fail. Why build a church on sinking sand instead of on the rock, on the truth? You know, I've seen church leadership that wants their numbers up, so they do whatever they can to bring people in the door. So they feed them the watered down, condensed version of the Bible. It's this all feel good all the time, no real depth to it, no meat on the bone. They fill the agenda only with family fun, door prizes, raffles, fun fests, and pretty much casual worship. They feel like they have to entertain instead of educate. And if they do that, they think the people will stay and eventually after they draw them in long enough, they'll get their hooks into them and basically force feed them the gospel truth at some point. Why? Because they fear that if the person leaves or if the person stops attending, then they won't ever have the chance to minister to them or they won't be able to help them. But I think they have it backwards. You need to feed them the truth so they desire to stay. And I think oftentimes the intentions are good. And many of these churches have a true desire to help people in any way that they can but are they helping them if they're not telling them the truth that's in the word? Are they helping them to to quench their thirst and hunger if they're actually just watering down the word instead of letting the word water and feed them? You know, it says in the Bible that Jesus is the living water. The real way to quench someone's thirst is to give them the living water, not Coke and soda and pizzas on a fun night. I'm all for Coke and soda, well, Dr. Pepper, and gluten-free pizza. As long as it's gluten-free, I'm good. (laughs) I mean, I'm all for that. I'm all for having fun. But that can't be all that the churches feed people. It can't be all people are fed because otherwise they will become spiritually undernourished and die. We cannot live on Coke and pizzas for fear of offending people or worrying that they will be so offended by the truth in God's word that they won't come back. You know, the other day I was looking up a quote I'd heard just to make sure I attributed it to the correct person. And I came across an article written in 2020 on this new site called Elizabethton.com. And as I read it, I knew I needed to share a snippet of it with you all. Are you ready? It says, the Bible says in first Corinthians 5, love is not easily provoked or offended. So it's unloving to be easily offended. Respected prophecy expert Perry Stone said we are now seeing the end time signs Jesus warned us about in Matthew 24 with the increase in earthquakes, etc. Jesus included another often overlooked warning, though, indicating that a gospel of offense would be everywhere, coinciding with the timing of the gospel being preached around the world, which without doubt is this present time. Matthew 24, 10, 12 says... And many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And because evil shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Perry Stone said in his 40 years of ministry and studying Bible prophecy, he never observed such an unleashing of a spirit of offense as there is in today's culture. Interesting, isn't it? Do you want the truth in the word or do you want a constant feel good fake message delivered to you? When you feel pressed by the world just to agree with this doctrine and that political agenda or this cultural craze and that moral shift, do you modify the word of God that you already know so you can appease other people and not offend them? We don't have to go walk around with a billboard on our shoulders and banners in our hands professing the Lord to reach people. We don't have to do that to reach people, although if a whole bunch of us did, like millions of us, people might actually get the message. But the Bible doesn't say we have to do that. It just says that we have to be Jesus to the world. We have to step aside and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us so other people can see Jesus in us. We have to go and make disciples. We have to spread the good news around the world. But so many people are not doing that. They're spreading a portion of the good news and sometimes taking it out of context, all in an effort not to offend someone. Do you all remember when the shooting at Columbine High School happened in Colorado? I remember it well. Many of us do. I mean, There are big events like that that many of us never forget, especially something that Has never happened before or hasn't happened in a long time or that is really horrific. We remember right where we were and what we were doing when we heard the news about it. Well, it's no different with me. I remember what I was doing and where I was at the time. And I remember one story that came out of that horrific criminal and evil act in Columbine. The story is about how the shooter went from classroom to classroom and he he went into this one classroom and, and told the people that if they believed in God, he wanted them to stand up. There was one girl who stood up. Her name was Cassie Bernal, and he wanted her to basically renounce Jesus Christ and say that she didn't believe in God. Cassie said no, and he shot and killed her. I know that her family and her church were able to use her act of obedience that, unbeknownst to her at the time, turned into a sacrificial act to help reach other people and be a witness about standing up for what you believe in was horrific, but, but she stood up and she did not deny Jesus Christ. She did not deny that she believed in God. I wonder how many of us today would stand up and say, we believe in Jesus if we were pressed, if we were threatened, or how many of us would pretend not to know what we know about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the word of God, all for saving our own life or saving face or for the purpose of not offending anyone. I think sometimes what we we in the body of Christ miss is the fact that while well, we don't want to go around purposely offending anyone what we should want more than that is to not worry about how someone else might be offended but be more concerned about their spiritual well-being and their mental health and which is is in conjunction by the way with your spiritual health and, and about the lies that they believe, that we should be concerned that they're believing lies, that the lies they tell and the bad choices they're making come from a place, not always, but usually of spiritual deprivation, you know, about them being lost and dying. That's what we should be concerned about and living an eternal life and having a love like they've never had before. Those are the things and be less concerned about offending someone than we are about loving them you know, loving them like Jesus would love them and and be far less concerned with offending the world at large or being canceled because we spoke out the truth than we are about walking in the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what the word of God has to say about it. So the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, just like Jesus Christ is. And the older I get, the more mature I get. Yes, for those of you who know me, I am getting more mature. Um, Anyway, it's the more I understand the essence, but not just the essence of the word of God, but the truth of the word and why much of it is stated the way that it is. And the more I understand and work to study it, the more I want my life to match it, to walk in agreement with it. And it, it makes me want to just all the more be able to relay it to others truthfully, 100% authentic, transparent, no holds barred, say, Hey, here's the word of God. Do I also share stories and testimony while I do it? Yes, I do. Jesus spoke in parables. He gave illustrations and stories to help make his point. And that's what I believe good communicators do. That's what I try to be as a good communicator. I try to communicate how the word of God has shaped and molded me and how I work hard to live it out and and not shun from it or not run from it and not pretend I'm perfect, but not pretend like it doesn't say what it says in the Bible. Because truthfully, I haven't always lived up to what it says. I have failed. I fail every day in some way or another, just like you do, just like we all do. But that doesn't mean I don't have the desire to walk the walk better and to talk the talk better. And in order to do so, I have to embrace the word. I have to know it. I have to understand it. I have to live it and breathe it and not give one whip whether or not it offends someone else or if me living the way I feel God has called me to live offends them either. Do you know that heaven and earth will one day disappear? A new earth will be formed. But even then, this heaven and this earth that you see will one day disappear. But the word of God will last forever. Think about it. The word of God will last forever. Isaiah 48. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. In Psalm 119 89 says, Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Nothing else that you share with someone or anything you do is going to last forever or make an internal impact, like sharing the word of God with someone will. Did you know that the last words of Jesus Christ before he left the earth and ascended into heaven were this? He said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In order to do that, in order to do what he said, we must be able to share the word of God without worrying that we're going to offend someone. Nothing else that you read, that you study, that you put your time, effort and energy into is going to last forever. No building project, no job, no job. No matter how high you reach on the corporate ladder, no title or degree that you get in higher education or certification in something is going to mean anything at all when it comes to heaven and eternity. None of it. No fancy car, no bling bling wardrobe, no amount of plastic surgery can follow you into eternity. It doesn't matter how thin you are, how large you make your breasts and how many followers you have on social media. None of it will follow you into eternity. The books I've read, the books I've written, the jokes I've told, the the fun, wonderful traveling excursions I've been on, the games I've won, the money I've earned, none of it will go with me through eternity. Yes, some of those things are blessings and they've helped grow me and I've learned and I'm thankful for them and they've given me beautiful memories. But the word of God is what will last. It will be forever. But you know what? It is now as well. You can't just think of it as, oh, I'll do that in the future. It is here now. So I guess my podcast episode today is really a little bit about how you apply the word, but mostly about how you see the word. Is it a rule book to you or is it the true account of Jesus Christ? Is is it merely a history book to you or is it the true account of history and the prophetic vision and prophecy that came true that proclaimed that Jesus Christ would come and historical true facts showing that he did and that he died and that he was resurrected and ascended. Is it a story that you gather around to tell your kids at Christmas time because it's fun and it feels like a tradition you should pass on? Or is it a true life telling of the past, the present, and our future that has yet to be? For me, it's the latter. For me, it isn't just some list of to dos or do's and don'ts that I have for this life. It isn't just some amazing story like I would watch unfold on a TV show or, you know, in an action hero movie from Marvel. It's real, it's true. Is it something that you are happy not to understand? Because if you don't know, you don't know, right? And if you don't know, you can't be held accountable. Well, if you don't know, it's because you chose not to know. Well, because if you were ever, ever given the opportunity to know and you chose not to know, then you have just made a decision, haven't you? A decision that could affect you for all eternity. A decision that you can held, be held accountable for. You see, the word of God was not just given to us as if it is some incomplete, fallible thing that everyone gets to argue over and wars are started over. Because in fact, side note here, what do you think wars are started over? Have you ever thought about that? Why are there wars? I mean, war upon war upon war over the Jewish people. And what is Jewish land or not Jewish land? Does Jesus Christ exist? Is he the savior? Because people know. They try to fight against what they do not like. They try to fight against what they do not want to submit to. They try to fight against what they believe will take away their power and their land and their birthright. They fight against what they believe is stronger than they are in the hopes that they will win out. But the reality is they will not win out. They have never won out. Christianity is still here. Judaism is still here for now. And if you read the word of God, you'll understand that there's a reason why. Everything, every prophecy, every bit of the word of God is true. It has come true and what hasn't come true yet will will come true. This is not an accident. This is not coincidence. It is truth. I wonder today, in this day and age, when people are fighting in the streets and arguing on social media, protesting in town squares and bombing each other across the middle East over what is the truth and what is not the truth over the old Testament and the new Testament and the word of God and whether they believe it or not. I wonder where you stand. I stand with Jesus no matter who's fighting, no matter who started a war, I stand with Jesus and in standing with Jesus, I stand for peace. There are innocent women, children and men on each side of the current war that is raging in the Middle of East in the Middle East. And in the middle of it there are innocent people on every side. There are horrific things that have happened and continue to be perpetuated on all people and especially on the Jewish people. I don't believe any person who calls themselves a true Christian is shocked by this. Anyone who calls himself a Jew, same thing, not shocked. I have spoken to no one who is shocked except those people who do not believe in the word of God or know it. Those people are shocked and sad to say they will continue most likely to be shocked when everything that is laid out in the book of Revelation continues to come true. They'll be ignorant about it. But here's my challenge to all of you. If you have not studied Revelation, I encourage you to do so. Revelation is part of the word of God. It's at the very back of the Bible and it gives us insight into what's coming. It reminds us to be prepared and it reminds us what the truth is. My women's group and I studied Revelation several years back. We took almost three years to study it. Yes, it's not that large of a book. In fact, it's very short, but we delved into it. We did not take it lightly. We did not rush through it. We're going to study it again. We have a few different members in the group who have never read the book of Revelation. They're new members, and we started to study it again last year, but so many things happened in each of our lives that we couldn't do it consistently enough, so we're going to do it again. It's important, even if you have not read the entire Bible. don't Don't let that stop you from reading Revelation. We have a few different people who were concerned about studying it because they're afraid of it. Because the only thing they've heard about it is not totally accurate. The book of Revelation, when you lay it out, can be confusing. But when you get the right Bible study helps and aids for it, and you go back to the root words, and you try to understand what it actually means, it is so comforting and amazing. The things that have already happened that Revelation prophesied, those things alone should wake someone up and allow them to say, oh my gosh, this is real. And it should comfort them as well. So if they ever had any doubt that God existed, that Jesus existed, that the word of God is true, reading Revelation will cause them to believe. I know this. I've seen it myself. If someone reads the book of Revelation and truly studies it for what it is and understands it, and they still do not believe in Jesus Christ, then I think it's extremely sad and shocking, to be quite honest. Maybe I'm naive about it. But that's okay. The word of God is strong and it stands for itself. It doesn't need me to champion it. It doesn't need me to say it's A, B, C or D because it just is A, B, C, D and everything from Z and beyond. It speaks for itself. But in order for it to speak to you, you must pick it up and read it. I hope that you will find that this is true for yourself by reading the book of Revelation and continuing to embrace the word of God, unashamed, unabashed, unafraid, and not worrying who you might offend in the process.